Um, before we get to Job, uh, be turning to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at something in Galatians. And so, uh, most of you know that uh, that the bulk of the book of Job is his dialogue with his three friends. And, uh, you know, his friends have been, uh, you know, somewhat cruel, somewhat brutal. Uh, they witness Job's great loss, and they, they draw the conclusion that Job has some hidden sin in his life. And uh, at least two of the accusations is, you know, one, they're accusing him of being wicked, and uh, another, they accuse him of being a hypocrite. And uh, Job, I think, is able to address both of those and prove that he has not been a hypocrite. He is not a wicked person. And he's holding to his integrity. And, uh, you know, all of us can uh, jump to the wrong conclusion, can't we? So if you kind of start with the wrong premise or, you know... Uh, you know what, what they should have probably concluded is you know this is a spiritual warfare. Uh, God has allowed Satan to afflict him. This is a spiritual warfare that is manifest in the physical realm, and uh, he is definitely under attack. And uh, I think what Elihu does in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll bring up this uh, fourth person named Elihu. And he's going to maybe uh, have Job do more of a, a self-examination. And, and that's probably, you know, the better thing to do. Because, you know, if somebody just jumps in and starts accusing you of something, you're, you're automatically defensive, aren't you? You're, you're going to try to justify yourself or, you know, you're going to be on, on the defense automatically. But here in Galatians 1, or 5, Galatians 5, 1... It says, uh, that's not the right verse, is it? It's 6-1. Yeah, 6-1. And here, here the Bible says, uh, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And I'll just stop there, but uh, Job has definitely... Um, uh, I guess he's maybe not uh, overtaken in a fault, but he does need to be restored. And uh, there's kind of two parts to that. Uh, there is a forgiveness part when someone's offended you, and then there's a restoration part. And so this, uh, his friends need to restore him. And uh, anyway, so they they say a lot of things that are true in the book of Job. And uh, one thing I was kind of thinking of as an example, you know, our church just had a chili cook-off just a month or so ago. And gosh, we had 15 or 16 different pots of chili. But, uh, you know... I love barbecue. I love Jack Stack barbecue, probably the best. They're uh, brisket and baked beans. And anyway, uh, if I would have brought that to a chili cook-off, it's as good as it is. It's not what was asked for, right? And so I guess that's a little bit like Job's friends. They're presenting all this great truth, but it, it kind of misses the mark. It's not really what he needed, is it? He needed. Uh, you know, some comfort, some, you know, self-examination. And so we'll, uh, we're in Job chapter 30, so let's go there now. He needed the next verse in Galatians 6. Well, what does it say, Pamela? And you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Okay. And, uh, yeah, do you want to elaborate on that? Just that maybe that's what they should be doing is bearing his burdens and in helping to restore him? Pretty plain. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's good. Anyway, I, I listened to, uh, uh, J. Vernon McGee some this week and his teaching about the book of Job. And that, that was one of the verses he brought up. I just thought that was, 
good uh, for us to consider as we try to help people. That's our desire. And uh, anyway, I give you a, a quote here on the top of your handout. And if you look at the top right corner of your handout, this little picture of Job, the book of Job, and it's got this word that I'd never heard before, theodicy on trial. And I think that word theodicy means something like, you know, how can a good God permit evil to exist? It's kind of... And so... Uh, whoever put that little picture together, whoever created that word, uh, it fits the book of Job that uh, God did allow uh, Joe, uh, Satan to do these evil things. And even though he is a good God, and uh, so anyway... You know, some people used to ask, you know, why do, you know, good people suffer? Why do bad things happen to good people? Things like that. But um, the, the teacher I had for the book of Job just said it should be more how should good people suffer? Because suffering is a part of life. We're in a sin-ridden world and it, it does seem to be getting darker and we do need to be lights. And uh, I talked to a man this week. His son's in prison. And uh, he's not sure if his son is innocent or guilty, but uh, he just, you know, it's pretty hard, you know, on a father to see his son in prison, regardless if he's innocent or guilty. And he just was, you know, professing. He says, you know, if I didn't have God, I don't know how I could go through this. He, he said that. And so uh, God, God is the God of all comfort. He's the Father of mercies. And so if we are going to uh, be comforted, it does need to come through God. Because trials will come. And uh, anyway, this it helped me to hear that man's faith this week as I talked to him. He was going to visit his son in prison and... Um, see his grandson and the child's mother that's you know trying to wait on wait on dad you know so anyway lots of difficult things but uh, so we're we're seeing uh, and and the thing that I hope all of us are doing a little bit of self-examination here just as we go through Job because Job does maintain his integrity but he he kind of almost crosses a line of he's self-righteous and that's what we don't want to be right Uh, But, you know, if the devil can get him to compromise his integrity and fall into sin, well, then that's not good either. So Job is in really a tough place where he's lost everything and everyone. And I don't know how true it is. Uh, I know J. Vernon McGee act like there was, you know, a big audience around this conversation. You know, all of us get excited about the Chiefs or, you know, sporting events or even maybe entertainment type of thing. But they said back then it was kind of like, you know, this was an intellectual debate. It was an intellectual competition and people would gather around to hear these wise men speak and, and, and maybe that's so. Uh, but because there is a lot of wisdom here and, and you know I was thinking I think it's uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon they're kind of considered the wisdom books and uh, many people read through the book of Proverbs every month because there's 31 Proverbs kind of one for each day of the month and I know some people read through the Psalms in a month they try to read five Psalms in a month and there's 150 of them so it works out to, you know, if you read five a day, you can get through them in 150 in three day, 30 days. So I just wonder, it'd be good maybe to read Job like that. Just kind of read through Job. It would take you uh, 42 days. Uh, there's 42 chapters. But anyway, there's, it's uh, beautiful wisdom. And, you know, we're, we're doing good just to try to understand what is even being said sometimes, let alone come up with some of the thoughts they do, because this was really written before the law of Moses it was in kind of an age of uh, it was kind of 
uh, he, Job was probably contemporary with uh, Abraham's children around that. Uh, so kind of an age of conscience, an age of promise. and uh, But yet there's just, uh, you know, kind of laws of nature. There's, you know, your conscience is kind of your right and wrong barometer. So they, they knew uh, many things that we're just kind of discovering now, right? Even scientific things, things about uh, astronomy, uh, things in the stars, things in nature. And so anyway, it's it's really uh, been wonderful to read and try to process. Uh, I'm kind of a bullet point guy, and I learn by... Um, you know, organize. You know, hopefully my handouts are somewhat organized. But you know, these guys are thinking more. You know, big picture things and a little more uh, circular. They call it the Oriental mindset, and they might talk about something here and connect it with something over there. It's, it's not really linear. It doesn't always flow like like we in the Western culture and mindset do. But hopefully, our uh, you know, I've told people that the Bible is kind of like an apple that you eat and as you eat the apple the apple gets bigger because it's like wow, you, wow that's cool. you, you try to digest this and it makes you think about that and you, then you eat a little bit of that it's like well if that's true then this must be and it's, it just gets bigger as you eat it and so God is infinite his word is infinite and we are finite we are not infinite and so uh, but he, he does reveal things to us it says the Bible says it's the glory of God to conceal a thing but it's the honor of kings to search out a matter so hopefully it's uh, pleasing to the Lord that we are searching out these things and uh, trying to gain understanding and this quote that I gave you this week was uh, hey Sarah grab a hand out there sis it's from I don't know who this Zach uh, Funan is, but he said, uh, "Consider the matter of suffering. Why does a God of love allow us to go through suffering?" And he said, "That's because suffering is a part of the syllabus of our spiritual education." So I thought that was kind of a good uh, wording, good thought, and it is part of uh, maturing as as believers. That uh, at least when I was in school. You know, one one of the bullies in my class, his name was Bobby Crable, and uh, he was two or three years older than us because he had failed a grade or two. So he was maybe not super smart. I don't want to say anything bad about him, but he was just bigger and tougher than any of us because he was two or three years older. He kept failing classes, so he was kind of our class bully. And I don't know, I don't remember him in high school, but in grade school, I can remember, and he just kept flicking me on the ear you know just whatever bullies do and I, I punched him once and he kind of stopped but anyway it was kid stuff I don't know what made me think of that but um, anyway just uh, you know in order for us to grow in our walk with the Lord uh, I forget which preacher once said that you know a man that's been greatly used of God is one that's also greatly suffered and uh, certainly uh, none of us have suffered as much as Job and so we, we can learn from uh, someone who's been there and done that can't we And so he has uh, been there and he's doing that and you know the New Testament says uh, it, it talks about uh, the the, the, the patience of Job and maybe you've heard that my, my great grandma used to say that you know he just got the patience of Job but in, in reading the book you don't really see that uh, the, the New Testament tell us that tribulation worketh patience and so Job is in tribulation and he's learning patience but uh, he doesn't appear always to be a patient man in fact he's wished more than once that he could die he, he just he wanted this suffering to be over uh, but yet he was, he wasn't going to take his own life. Uh, he wasn't suicidal necessarily, but he wished that God would uh, remove his hand and let him die. So he he never gave up his faith. He never gave up his integrity. And so uh, anyway, let, let's learn a little bit uh, verses one through eight here. Uh, if somebody would read 1 through 3 for us, maybe. Job 30, uh, 1 through 3. Uh, Pat, let me pick on you if I can. I'll let you start. Okay. Uh, but now they that are 
But now they that are younger than I have been have me in derision. Whose fathers I would have disdained to have set with the dogs of my flock. Yea, whereto might the strength of their hands in whom old age was perished. For what in famine they were solitary. Fleeing into the wilderness in former time, desolate and waste. Yeah. And so he comments on younger people having him in derision in verse 1. And I gave you a definition of derision. It says it's an object of derision or contempt, and it says a laughing stock. So, you know, before he, you know, people would really stop and listen to him, and now he, he's saying because of all that's happened to him, he's just become this laughing stock, and people are, uh, think he's in content. He said he wouldn't even let uh, these younger people's dads uh, be, be good enough to be like guard dogs of his flocks. And so these are not honorable men, and their children are not honorable, but yet now they've kind of got him in derision and and in verse 2 it talks about uh, yea whereunto might the strength of their hands talking about the young men profit him profit me in whom old age was perished and uh, I had you put this in your blank this word strength and uh you know, when I was going to Cass County Jail uh, every week, uh, we did that for five years here at this church. Uh, when I came here in 2005, uh, I went in with Brian Hedges a couple times, and then Brian kind of turned the jail ministry over to uh, me as the leader. And uh, anyway, this was kind of one of my themes. Verse, I, I think I put it on your handout. The glory of young men is their strength, and the beauty of old men is the gray head. And uh, that verse really resonated with me because you know most of the people in jail are young men, uh, not not all, uh, and there are some lady. I, 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 at the time, I think Cass County Jail had like a capacity of 150 people. I think they've expanded it now, and. Uh, but normally there was 100 to 110 people there, uh, the incarcerated. But, uh, you know, if, if you think, you know, 70, 80, 90 of them being men, mostly young men, you know, there's a lot of strength being wasted there. Strength of mind, strength of body, you know, things that they could be doing productive for, you know, our, our town, our county, our, our world, and yet they're being, you know, confined to a, a jail cell and, um, you know, it's, it's not good condition. It's just a lot of wasted strength is what my comment it is the glory of young men is their strength and and that's what that's what job is saying you know these young men have him in derision but their strength could profit me you know if it was used right it didn't have to be that way they'd have him on the chain gang yeah they yeah they still work now to pick up trash there are a few, they call them trustees. Yeah, yeah, that's a good comment, Belinda. Yeah, I don't, they do, they do still have a few trustees that, you know, pull weeds and take care of the, the yards a little bit, but, uh, and some work in the kitchen, but yeah, it's, yeah, like you're saying, Pam, or Belinda, it's not necessarily God's plan for them. Um, verse 3, uh, just talking about the wilderness and fleeing to solitary, uh, they went into solitary, fleeing into the wilderness in former time, desolate and waste. It made me think of uh, Israel in the tribulation. Where they flee to the wilderness. I gave you that reference of Revelation 12. And then in verse 4, uh, in fact, Emma, would you read 4 through 8 for us? Who cut up my out by the bushes and tune up their roots for their meat? They were driven forth from among men. 
cried after them as after thieves to dwell in the cliffs and the valleys and caves of the earth and in the rocks among the bushes that played under the metals they were gathered together they were children of fools yea children of base men they were viler than the earth yeah there's a lot there. I kind of keyed in on verse 4 about those mallows. I was intrigued. I didn't know really what that word was, but I guess uh, it's from a Greek word meaning soft and mellow. And It's thought to be a kind of bramble without thorns, the young leaves of which resemble lettuce and, to, and gathered and boiled as food for the poor. Huh? Sandy lions. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that, maybe. It's actually a threat. It's because uh, my in-laws, my father-in-laws from Lebanon, and that's where I get this from. They make a dish called maklea, and hollow grows about this tall, and whenever we harvest it, it takes like hours oh, wow. sitting there picking the leaves off. Mm. They cook it, cook it into like a broth, and sometimes... Mm chicken broth or lemon juice and it makes it really tender and delicious okay it's like three feet tall that's cool yeah you gotta order the seeds yeah you gotta order the seeds because we we grew it for a while and the kids were little it it would be like a labor of love I mean it would take hours it has antioxidants yeah that's cool yeah very nutritious but it's a but it's a but it's a weed at least that's how it's Yeah. It's the fruit. Right. <laughs> cool. That's the name. And uh, that marshmallows, <laughs> it said it's, uh, whoop, I just spilled some water on my hand out. Um, a plant of the Guinness Althea or something. So, anyway, that's where we kind of probably get our word marshmallows from. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so these outcasts were uh, children of uh, base men and uh, Revelation 6 there talks about them uh, hiding in caves and so some of this is uh, prophetical and I gave you the reference there from Hebrews 11 and if you remember you know that's our chapter on faith but you know even even uh, Christians and men of men and women of God in old times were somewhat sometimes fleeing for their lives and uh, persecuted greatly, and so this can describe uh, either either uh, the wicked in the tribulation or uh, sometimes believers throughout history have been uh, greatly uh, persecuted and, and hiding in rocks and cliffs and anyway. Uh, so my teaching point here, I gave you Job is experience uh, the sufferings of Christ. So I put just the word sufferings there. Uh, and is being reviled by the very people he sought to minister to. Uh, I think that's what stuck out about me because, you know, a few chapters earlier, it talked about how he did good for people and he tried to teach the young and now he's being uh, suffering by uh, younger people that he, he tried to help. So this verse I gave you from First Peter says, For even hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth who when he was reviled reviled not again, when he suffered he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed and uh, I like that um, so in, in verse 9 now let's uh, I'm trying to get done a little bit early today uh, 9, 10, and 11 Pam would you read those? 
Yeah, the, that byword is only in our Bibles three times, and so it's it's like it's like a word, uh, like uh, a proverb, <clears throat> and so I, I think the example I gave because it comes up twice in Job and once in Deuteronomy, but it's kind of like uh, you know parents might. You know, when I was young, the Charles Manson thing happened. The Helter Skelter, whatever, out in California. And, uh, you know, that name kind of became a byword. It's like, you know, it's associated with wickedness, right? And you can almost picture people in Job's day saying, you know, hey, young man, you know, little Johnny, you know, whatever you do, don't grow up to be like Job. You know, just he became this byword, and it's it's not a good thing. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> and they spit in his face. So he he is a type of Christ here, because I gave you a reference there from Matthew where they spit uh, on Christ. They did it at least twice, and buffeted him with the palms of their hand. So they they beat Christ. They spit upon him. So he was. Uh, and this uh, this thing about bridle that Pam read. You know, the reason you put a, a bridle uh, on a horse and the bit in his mouth is so that you can control that strong creature. And so uh, I put the word uh, control in your, ba- in your blank. If you want to fill out the blanks with me. <clears throat> the cord and bridle have a meaning of, of control. And the cord, they think, would be like the uh, tent cord like staking out a tent to so that the wind don't blow it over so they have to to do with control and job is saying that uh you know he's been loosed they've loosed his cord they've loosed his bridle from him and uh just kind of out of out of control i guess and then 12 through 15 uh belinda would you read those Upon my right hand rise the youth. They push away my feet, and they raise up against me the ways of their destruction. They mar my path, they set forward my calamity, they have no helper. They come upon me as a wide breaking end of waters, and the desolation they rule themselves upon me. Yeah, one more. Terrors are turned upon me. They pursue my soul as the wind, and my welfare passeth away as a cloud. Yeah, we're, we're going to highlight this wind here in a minute. And uh, even if you go down to verse 22, it says, Thou liftest me up to the wind. And so that's going to be kind of my conclusion today to talk about this wind. But uh, Job... Uh, in chapter 29, he was really kind of reminiscing about the good old days when things were better for him, and now he's, you know, in reality of his sufferings, and he's, uh, and really all his friends have already talked. So Job kind of gets the last word of his three friends here. So he, these are kind of his final words uh, in chapter 30 and 31. I think it's 32. Whenever Elihu starts speaking. Uh, yeah, so one more chapter after today of Job, his words will be kind of wrapped up. But anyway, he's in terror in verse 15 that Belinda read. And so uh, he's like, he almost uh, personifies these terrors like they're pursuing after him. And so he probably doesn't sleep well. He's in pain when he is awake. And so it's a miserable existence he's going through. And in verse 16, uh, I'll read that. Uh, And now my soul is poured out upon me. The days of affliction have taken hold upon me. I don't know if you ever did that. I don't know if I've really ever did that. Just pour out your soul. You're, you're, you're really saying everything that you can think about and looking at everything from different angles. But... Uh, 
anyway, that that's that phrase comes up. Uh, I gave you a reference there of Psalm 42, where the psalmist, I think that might be David, there is pouring out his soul, and so all this tribulation and suffering has forced him to really uh, do that, to pour out his soul. And then uh, verse 17, uh, <clears throat> Heather, I couldn't think of your name, <laughs> Heather. <laughs> Be I read verse 17? My bones are pierced in me in the night season, and my sinews take no rest. But the great force of my disease is my garment changed. It bindeth me about as the collar of my coat. Yeah. He hath cast me into the mire, and I am become like dust and ashes. I cry unto thee, and thou dost not hear me. I stand up, and thou regardest me not. Thou art become cruel to me. With thy strong hand, thou opposed thyself against me. Thou lifest me up to the wind, thou causest me to ride upon it, and dissolvest my substance. Now this uh, verse 17, what, what do you think of when you think of my bones are pierced in the night season? What do you think of there? Yeah, you do. You think of the Lord uh, when they they nailed Him to the cross. And He talks about this night season. You remember for three hours on the cross, the, the, the sun went dark. And it was uh, pitch black for three hours while he was on the cross. And uh, there's been a lot of speculation of, of you know, because earlier uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he told his disciples that he could call 12 legions of angels to come and protect him. But he, he let himself be taken captured by the... Uh, the Jews and brought uh, into uh, a false trial. Uh, so some people speculate, you know, maybe those twelve legion of angels. Uh, I think the speculation is that a legion is about two thousand, so twelve legions would be twenty four thousand. So twenty four thousand angels could be like blocking out the sun, or or it could be more of a, a spiritual darkness because. Uh, you know, I've done this before as a little kid, taking a magnifying glass and you know trying to burn an ant with a magnifying glass. You know, focusing the sun and you can get something hot and even catch it on fire. But you know, if if all the sin of mankind was being focused on Christ on the cross, it would be a very dark. Uh, you know, sin is. Uh, uh, the Bible says God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And uh, so, anyway, if all, if all the sin of mankind was focused on Christ on the cross, the, you know that alone could be make make uh, the sun go dark. So, whether it be a physical or spiritual or both, uh, Job is experiencing some of that in his night season, and his bones are pierced, and his sinews sinews take no rest, and so you know your your body is hanging on the cross and it's pulling at all your sinews and ligaments and tendons and so you keep having to try to stand up to catch your breath uh, I've been told and so anyway um, and then verse 18 that Heather read was the thing about disease he's got this disease that the devil brought these boils from the top of his head to the sole of his foot And so my teaching point here is just although God is restraining himself from helping Job temporarily, God promises never to leave nor forsake us. So I put the word forsake. And so Job does feel forsaken. But Paul here in Timothy, I gave you a verse from him. It says, There was a time when no man stood with Paul, but the Lord did. It says, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be held to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. And so Paul received just some inner fortitude from from God the Father uh, to stand with 
Paul when nobody else did. So these these are great promises, aren't they? Yeah. So we even when we feel alone, uh, if we're saved, we're, you know God's with us, and and um, that's a great comfort. So this last section here, the 19 through 32. Uh, I think Heather, you read down to 21, uh, but verse 19 talks about the mire. And uh, Joe, you remember uh, Jeremiah was cast into a dungeon into the mire, and he sunk into the mire. And some people, some some people had to help pull uh, Jeremiah out of the mire. And I gave you a, a reference there where uh, God pulled David up out of the miry clay and set his feet on the solid rock. So we can relate to that, can't we? This God preserving and helping us. <clears throat> in verse 20, he feels, uh, he feels forsaken. In verse 20 that uh, Heather read, he, he says, I, I cry unto thee, and thou dost not hear me. And that that's uh, you know that's kind of sad, isn't it? Uh, but you know when Christ was on the cross, he he said, "My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken me?" And so for a time, God had to turn His back on His own Son and let Him bear. Uh, it's in Habakkuk, I believe, where it says that the Lord is of too pure eyes to look upon iniquity. And so uh, God did have to forsake His Son uh, so that He could die for the sin for our sins. And uh, Job is experiencing that. He's crying to God, and God's not answering. But God does answer, and so there's good news coming. I know my wife. She she asked me. She what are we going to study when we're done with the book of Job? And she said maybe something a little more upbeat would be good. <laughs> I think you said something like that, Heather. Last, yeah. So yeah, yeah. We need to something a little happier. Um, and then in verse. Uh, 21 and 22 uh, verse 21 he, he feels that God's against him he says thou art become cruel to me with thy strong hand thou opposest thyself against me so he you know that, that's 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 hard to go through there if you feel like the Lord's against you uh, verse 22 uh, Sam you want to read that thou liftest me up into the wind yeah, and like I said, we're going to, we're going to talk about wind again here in a minute. In fact, uh, hold your place here and just look over at chapter 38, I think it is. Uh, yeah, Sam, why don't you read 38.1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth my darkened counsel by words without knowledge? Yeah, so so when God does show up, He answers Job out of a whirlwind. And what, what do we call a whirlwind? Yeah, it's uh, I don't know what the uh, the difference between that and a cyclone, but. A cyclone over water, maybe. It's where you live, whatever region. You live in Missouri, we call tornadoes. They live in Florida, they call them hurricanes. Okay, okay. Sandstorms in the desert. Yeah, little dust, dust storms, and but yeah. So when God does answer, He answers out of the whirlwind, and so here in in twenty one or twenty two, uh, He Job. Talking to God, He lifted him up as uh, to the wind and caused him to ride upon it and dissolve us my substance. So He, God has preserved him, but uh, His sons, His children died uh, because of the a wind took down the four corners of the house they were in. Uh, so anyway, uh, I put the word wind in your next blank. 
because uh, Ephesians talks that uh, we can be tossed about to and fro with every wind of doctrine. So, you know, even the New Testament uses some of these words. There's different winds of doctrine out there, and we can be tossed to and fro because of it. And then in uh, verse 23 and 24, uh, Suzanne, would you read those? For I know that thou wilt bring me to death, and to the house appointed for all the And he will not stretch out his hand to the grave, though he will cry in his now I put the word appointment in your next blank. I don't know if you can squeeze that if I give you enough room to write it. But so we all have an appointment with death, don't we? And that's what Hebrews nine twenty seven says: for, "For as is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment, or after that the judgment." So uh, you know that that's a great defense against uh, Hinduism, where they believe in uh, you know reincarnation. Because the Bible says it's appointed unto man wants to die, so so we all have an appointment with death, and uh, you know Paul on Mars Hill talks about the bounds of our habitation, and so there's you know we can take medicine and kind of prolong our lives, and but is inevitable, uh, you know the life to death ratio is still one to one, isn't it? No matter uh, how famous or how good or bad, uh, all are appointed unto death. And then, uh, uh, Jim, if you would read 25 through 27 for us. Okay. Did not I weep for him that was in trouble? Was not my soul green for the poor? When I looked for good, then evil came upon me. And when I waited for light, there came darkness. My bowels boiled and rested not. The days of affliction prevented me. Uh, no, that that's good. Uh, now, this next blank I gave you, uh, it's going to sound clever, but I heard J. Vernon McGee say it. So uh, he, he says Job has an eye problem. <laughs> he, he, he's kind of saying, I did this and I did that. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about I or me. And... Uh, J. Vernon McGee says that uh, the kind of the theme of of Job is repentance, because a lot of this, once God does speak, uh, Job kind of puts his hand on his mouth and he he says, "Therefore I repent in dust and ashes." And so, uh, you know, Job is our hero. He's a great man of faith. Uh, maybe borders on self-righteous and. Uh, you know, we say that he's a picture of the Jew in the tribulation, and uh, Paul even says that the Jews have uh, went about to establish their own righteousness. And you know, you know, when we were in Israel, uh, I, I can uh, testify, kind of as an eyewitness, the Jews are very proud of their nation. And I told you even a month or so ago, they're trying to bring out legislation today to uh, make it illegal to speak the name of Jesus in the nation of Israel. And so they totally reject Him as their Messiah. And so they've become a very self-righteous people. And so that's that's partly the reason for the tribulation period is to purge them of their self-righteousness and reveal... And so Job has to... Um, and I want to talk about it when we get there, but uh, the Bible talks about repentance as being the gift of repentance or being given repentance. And, you know, if you give, if God has given us repentance, you know, for, for me personally, I had to go broke farming to bring me to Kansas City to the job to work alongside a guy who led me to Christ in 1992. So the way God gave me repentance, was to make help me go broke, have our marriage suffer, have our children in, you know, uh, it was just kind of chaotic a little bit in our household. And I had to get the end of my self-righteousness and I had to repent and I had to come to the Lord in humility. And so it, it took a lot for me to repent, but it's taken even more for Job to repent, isn't it? He, 
he's really going through it and he was a, a righteous God-fearing person and so uh, anyway those are just some thoughts that I have going coming up to when God does come through and talk uh, to Job even though he doesn't really get an explanation for why uh, anyway uh, so verse uh, 28 uh, Sarah would you read 28 for us I went mourning without the sun. I stood up and I cried in the congregation. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read through the end of the chapter? We're almost there. I am a brother to dragons and a companion to owls. My skin is black upon me and my bones are burned with heat. My heart also is turned to mourning and my organ into the voice of them that weep. Yeah. Again, it's a lot of uh, deep stuff there. And in verse 28 that Sarah read, that he cried to the congregation. So in, in verse uh, uh, 20, he cried to God and God didn't hear him. And now he's, he's crying to this congregation. Uh, maybe it's some bystanders that are listening and they're not listening. Uh, they're not you know, helping either. So he mentions he's this brother to dragons and a companion to owls. And uh, the thing I was reading about that is just that uh, that the owls, I think, are typically heard in the nights, kind of you know the screeching or the kind of the the weird sounds they make. And uh, it's in Revelation that uh, the devil is called a dragon. So he. Job is sensing that uh, that he is, you know, being aligned with dragons and owls, and I think owls are considered to be uh, unclean animals in in uh, Leviticus 11. And uh, anyway, and then in verse 31, that uh, Sarah read. This harp is turned to mourning and organ into the voice of them that weep. So harps and organs, uh, remember David played a harp before Saul. It's kind of a soothing, a kind of a joyful thing. So he, he's basically saying the joy that I once had is now turned into mourning and uh, all these terrible things. So uh, just in a couple minutes here, I kind of highlighted wind here at the end. Uh, I wanted to read that to you. The verse from Psalm says, Fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling His word. And so I'm kind of highlighting this thing about wind here as my last teaching point. Uh, if we're ever going to understand God's specific revelation, so I put... Uh, specific and uh, the word general... So for uh, the Bible is God's specific revelation. Is it? Uh, we, we can, you know, words are the vehicle of thought. So as we read God's words, He's expressing His thoughts. But His general revelation is is His creation, isn't it? We we can take a walk and we can uh, enjoy the grass, the smell, the sounds. And all these things. And so Romans 1 says, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So uh, invisible things are seen by understanding things that are made. And so we've talked about trees, and today we're talking about wind. And so... Think about wind for a moment. Since wind itself is the most powerful force in nature, is it any wonder that God chose the wind to illustrate the most powerful supernatural force, the Holy Spirit? So in the Bible, wind is like the Holy Spirit. And in John there it says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou canst... And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. 
And so even now, as I'm uh, talking and communicating things about God's Word, the Holy Spirit is, you know, working on each of our hearts. <coughs> and it, it's invisible, isn't it? And you can hear these sounds and... Uh, and even even my voice and the words I'm saying, they're coming from wind that's coming out of my lungs across my vocal cords. <clears throat> and it's creating sound. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, it says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. That That's invisible. It, it's invisible to know if... if if uh, others are saved and so sometimes it's manifest by fruit and by uh, our lives and so I put although one cannot see if another has been born of the Spirit the work of the Spirit in a person's life leaves substance and evidence of things not seen just like the wind the Holy Spirit descended from heaven on the day of Pentecost when there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty uh, a rushing mighty wind <clears throat> it should not be a surprise then that Christ return is compared to that of a tornado or a whirlwind as it is called in scripture so I gave you some things there about wind and uh, anybody got any other thoughts I'm trying to close up early <clears throat> how about I stop there? Because uh, Angie, Angie got donuts for everybody, and this is kind of for Jim. What? This is his welcome back. You get a welcome back donut, and uh, so yeah, she wants a picture of Jim with this before. So anyway, uh, yeah, come on up here, brother. All right, back now, back in the saddle. I need my pointer. He's been gone for eight weeks. If you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So maybe you can help pass those out, or but we'll we'll sign off of Facebook here. Yeah. Hey, let's have just a word of prayer. We'll uh, close here today, and uh, let, let's pray real quick. Hold up, guys. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do bow our heads and hearts, and thank you for uh, bringing Jim. Uh, thank you for his teaching with the youth. I know it's profitable time for them, and thank you for all of those uh, joining online. I pray that our teaching of Job and the thing about the wind has been profitable for us to hear and consider and just help our hearts to be tender to you and just be humble and repentant and honor you with all we do. And thank you for this church. We love you and thank you for this food now. In Jesus' name, amen. That's for Sherry too. But oh, yeah. Look forward to coming back. So yeah, make sure maybe maybe you can save her one. The two long johns there with the welcome back. Maybe you can take her one of those. Oh, yeah.